X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Emily Gilliland from Portland, Oregon, and it's Thursday, June 10th. Today, back in the day on June 10th, 1959, the Oregon Centennial Exposition and International Trade Fair kicked off. The fair was in celebration of Oregon's 100th anniversary as a state and took place at the Expo Center in the Kenton neighborhood of North Portland. Beginning 62 years ago today, festivities lasted for a whole three months. The theme of the fair was Frontier of the Future, and entertainers and artists of all sorts contributed to a full lineup of fun. Among them were Western star Roy Rogers and painter Carl Morris. Celebrations concluded on September 17th. And in just a short 38 years, you can join Oregonians across the state in celebrating 200 years of statehood. Today, back in the day on June 10th, 1692, Bridget Bishop became the first person executed during the Salem witch trials. She was accused of, quote, bewitching five young women. Throughout her trial, many ridiculous testaments were made and seemingly confirmed to be true, such as someone claiming an apparition of Bishop tore her coat, a threat from Bishop against a victim to write her name in a certain book or be drowned, and testaments that the shape of Bishop would pinch, choke, or bite victims. Ultimately, after deemed guilty, of her charges by the jury, Bridget Bishop was sentenced to death and became the first victim of the Salem witch trials. Today, back in the day, on June 10, 1944, Joe Nuxall became the youngest individual to play in a major league baseball game. At a mere 14 years old, Nuxall was tapped for mop-up relief for the Cincinnati Reds. They were playing the St. Louis Cardinals and down 13-0 in the ninth inning when the manager put Nuxall in. After retiring the first batter he faced, Nuxall found himself in a tough spot and couldn't close out the inning. And while he was sent down to the minors after his performance, he would return to the majors eight years later. Now able to hold his own, he would play in the majors for 14 more years. Today, we'll start with your quick six news headlines, and we have an interview with Anna Sinatra, a comedian who's hosting a gay cabaret at the newly reopened Siren Theater. First up, it's time for today's quick six local rundown. Oregon will expand options for affordable housing development. On Tuesday, the Oregon legislature passed Senate Bill 8. This legislation will limit the ability of local jurisdictions to deny affordable housing development. Specifically, OPB reports that it will apply to developments on land not zoned for residential use within urban growth boundaries. It will also permit increased density in some situations. Senate President Peter Courtney is the measure's chief sponsor. He said that this is about building affordable housing where people want to live. Quote, the housing crisis isn't just about the affordability of housing. If the only apartment you can afford is two towns over and a 70-minute car ride to your work, I don't think we've solved the problem. Senate Bill 8 had passed in the Oregon House last week with some amendments. 
Lawmakers changed the limit for how long a project can be considered an affordable development from 40 years to 30. They added a prohibition of affordable housing development on land designated for heavy industrial use. The bill had support from several advocate groups, including the Native American Youth and Family Center, Oregon Housing Alliance, and Home Forward. And now, your daily dose of data. In the last week, Oregon has administered an average of 20.6 thousand doses of a COVID-19 vaccine. It's a 6% decrease from last week's average. 2,371,622 Oregonians have received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. This is 65% of the state's eligible population, everyone 12 years and older. It is 56.2% of the state's entire population, regardless of eligibility. At least 2,023,320 Oregonians have been fully vaccinated. Four businesses were fined a combined $44,600 for willful COVID-19 violations. Three of the four have already indicated they will appeal the fines, which were issued by Oregon Occupational Safety and Health Association. Oregon OSHA has issued a total of 159 citations to employers for violating safety requirements since the beginning of the pandemic last March. 32 of these have been for violations that the state deemed to be willful. The four businesses are Cork Cellars Wine and Bistro in Sisters and Last Stop Saloon in the Dalles, who were fined $17,800 and $8,900 respectively for allowing indoor dining while Deschutes and Wasco counties were deemed to be at extreme risk for COVID transmission. Additionally, Country Bakery and Halsey and Creative Woodworking Northwest in Portland were fined $8,900 each for failing to ensure that face coverings were worn inside the building during business hours. Country Bakery is the only business that has not yet appealed the fines. Oregon OSHA announced Monday that it will lift face covering and distancing rules for businesses and other institutions when 70% of Oregon adults are at least partially vaccinated. Oregon House of Representatives votes to redirect OFRI budget to climate change research. The House voted Tuesday to cut the Oregon Forest and Resource Institute's funding by two-thirds. The tax-funded agency's defunding comes in the wake of an investigation by Oregon Public Broadcasting, the Oregonian, and others into claims that it had lobbied against climate scientists to further the interests of the timber industry. The decision was reached by way of a 32-27 to 27 vote, which also increased oversight of the institute and ended its public advertising campaign. It is now headed to the Oregon Senate for consideration. OFRI was created in 1991 for the express purpose of public education on forestry, logging, and environmental practices. It was paid for by a tax on logging, while taxes on the timber industry were cut simultaneously, costing Oregon an estimated $3 billion in tax dollars that were previously allocated to schools and local government over the last 30 years. The news investigation, which was published last August, showed that the organization was illegally acting as the de facto lobbying arm of the timber industry, while also attacking scientists studying carbon in Oregon's forests. 
More Portland Office of Community and Civic Life employees have been paid to resign, upping total employee payouts to $373,000. Meg Juarez and Diane Riley, who are both supervisors within the organization, agreed to resign from their positions and not sue the city of Portland in exchange for one year's salary. $93,496 and $101,897, respectfully. The resignation agreements come in the wake of an independent report on the office, which named them as problematic employees. Also named in the report was Bureau Director Suk Ree, who was paid $178,000 to resign in May. The city also paid $127,000 for the report itself. The report was completed by strategic design consulting firm ASCETA and named a total of five employees as causing dysfunction within the Bureau. Similar complaints lodged against both Juarez and Riley by their employees specified bullying, retaliatory behavior, and inappropriate workplace language as major issues, creating an environment in which workers felt reluctant to remain in their positions. The city turned over the report on May 18th after Multnomah County District Attorney Mike Schmidt ruled it must be made public as a matter of attorney-client privilege. Juarez and Riley both signed resignation letters within several days of its release. Two of the five employees named in the report as contributing to the hostile work environment, Paul Van Orden, a noise control officer, and Jacob Brostoff, a member of the city's crime prevention program, have yet to resign. A union representative wrote in an email that Van Orden would not be seeking severance, stating that the allegations against him were the result of his actions as a whistleblower in the ordeal. And finally, some good news. Portland is planning a citywide cleanup at the end of the month, and you can take part. The city announced Wednesday that it will be partnering with the environmental nonprofit Solve in a two-day effort to clean up Portland later this month. According to a statement by Mayor Ted Wheeler, there are 20 cleanup events planned throughout the city on June 25th and 26th. Each event will provide volunteers with gloves, garbage bags, trash pickers, and safety vests. For more information and to find out how to get involved, you can visit solveoregon.org backslash pick it up Portland. And that's today's quick six local rundown. As we reemerge from the pandemic, venues are reopening and events are starting to happen. Here is Anna Sinatra with insights on how to laugh and what to wear when we leave the house. Oh, and info on Gay Beret happening 611 this Friday at the Siren Theater. For Liza Minnelli, life is a cabaret. For comedian Anna Sinatra, life is a gay beret. As part of Pride Weekend, Anna will be throwing a cabaret show of comedy, music, and improv at the Siren Theater here in Portland. She joins us now to tell us all about her show, Gay Beret. Anna, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I didn't know that like gay people had to get up this early in the morning. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's lovely. It's lovely. I'm seeing a whole new side of, you know, the sun. <laughs> it comes up pretty early. Yeah. How about it that? Does. It does. 
Well, yeah. thanks thanks for joining us this morning. Excited to hear about your show. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, so I was born in a super evangelical family in Arizona, and I, at 18, escaped as quickly as I could. Um, and I escaped into the world of opera, and that's when I fell in love with New York and musical theater and um, realized that I was a full-blown homosexual. Um, and that's kind of where the gay beret was birthed. And um, now I'm living in Los Angeles, and I perform out here, and I've been really fortunate to um, work with a bunch of fabulous drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race and um, amazing comedians. And, um, yeah, so that is kind of who I am. I am a uh, performer extraordinaire, and The Gay Beret is an amazing show full of song, um, a little dance, improv, and um, a lot of, lot of laughs. It's a super, super great time. Fantastic. How did we get so lucky in Portland to uh, have the Gay Beret here? Really? <laughs> it was the luck of the draw, to be honest. I, um, we were trying to decide where to go because L.A., when I booked this, when I was thinking about booking this, L.A. was very very shut down and mm. so was portland but believe it or not portland um was opening up before we were and um i was looking i just needed to get on stage i think that in COVID, mm. it was really hard for performers to um to not be able to be out on stage and doing what we love to do it's most of us it's our passion it's what gives us like energy and life and everything and so um when i heard that portland was opening i had a few connections there and i was like you know what i want to go there and i've actually never been to portland um and a very very good friend of mine passed away this last year and she was really big big in the art scene in portland she was an artist her name was megan um kurzak and she was a brilliant artist and she had such a love for Portland. And mm. so whenever I heard about that and the opportunities there, I was like, I have to go, I need to honor her. And, um, I really wanted to go out there. So. Well, fantastic. Well, I'm glad you're bringing it to us. How long have you been doing the gay beret? Uh, for the last like three to four years, um, I've been doing comedy a lot longer, but the show was birthed about like three and a half years ago. Although, does 2020 count as a year? You know? I don't even know. Maybe five <laughs> years, actually. Maybe a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you learned in that time? How has the show evolved? Oh, my gosh. I've learned so much. I've learned um, actually a lot about being gay and homosexuality. Mm. Like, for instance... Um, you know, as a young gay person, I think there's a lot that we don't know about the older gay generation. And one of those things was handkerchiefs. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that, um, you know, people in a different generation identified gay people by different things. Now you can just walk around with a gay pride flag, you know, as people do, stickered to everything, right? Mm-hmm. But back in like the 70s and 80s, you couldn't do that. Um, and so I learned about like these handkerchiefs and how they have different meanings. And I did not realize that the handkerchiefs I was wearing when I go camping to look super glamping um, had actual meanings like yellow and magenta. And the mm-hmm. listeners who know, they know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a thing. Um, and what can folks expect from this show? 
a really fun time. It's really, um, every time I've done it, it's always been slightly different depending mm-hmm. on the crowd and who's there. And it always has a different meaning to different people. And it's just fun. We really have a good time. Like I said, um, there's a lot of singing. I do a lot of Broadway standards. And then there's a lot of audience participation. And um, I'm trained at the Groundlings. So there's a lot of fun improv and song improv and just a lot of it's just fun and laughter, you know. Oh my gosh, that sounds so wonderful! You you had me at fun, actually. That's yeah. Don't we all just want some fun <laughs> and laughter? Boy, won't that be fantastic and a nice right. change of pace? <laughs> so right. you you also have some Portland performers joining you. Who are you teaming up with? Oh, I have some really amazing people. So I have Honey Bee Heart and um, an amazing drag queen. So she's going to be doing a really fun number. And then I'm also working with Belinda Carroll, a great um, Portland comic. And so I'm really, really excited to be um, working with them. And that's also something really important with my show is that when I do go out and do it in other cities, I really like to highlight local talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think it really gets gives you the opportunity to get the feel of the city, you know. And I think that the artists in the city are the best people to show you what's really happening there. Yeah. This is Emily. I'm speaking with Anna Sinatra, comedian and host of the Gay Beret. Anna, when is the show happening? It is happening on Friday, June 11th. And I think doors open at 7 and uh, the show starts at 730. And uh, you can get tickets at the Siren Theater's uh, website or on Instagram. Uh, My Instagram is at it's Anna Sinatra. And um, you can buy tickets there as well. Fantastic. And as you think about the last year, as you think about coming out of COVID, bringing laughter back to the people, thank heavens, what have you missed most from stand-up and improv? Uh, The white male patriarchy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and tearing it down. (laughs) Oh, and tearing it down. Yes. Yes. Thanks for finishing that sentence. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I always like to pause after that one, right? Um, no, I, I and tearing it down. You know, I really have missed the opportunity to. You know, I think that when you go on stage, if you don't have something to say, then why are you up there? You know, mm-hmm. and I've missed. I um, consider myself to be a very a feminist first and um, an activist in that. And mm-hmm. when I've been on stage, I feel like that's really given me an opportunity to. Um, say things and and move people and something I've really admired about Portland is how Portland has really stood up in this last year and really mm-hmm. fought for what is right and for humanity and I'm really excited to go and uh, be amongst uh, you know you you guys you know um, and have those conversations and be able to bring a different insight on stage and uh, that's I've really missed that. And I've missed meeting people. You know, when you're a performer and you're on the road, you get to meet all sorts of people and hear mm-hmm. all sorts of different stories. So I'm looking forward to that. And and how has the last year impacted your material? Uh, um, well, I've been able to watch a lot more movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And be inspired through that. 
And to be honest, it really gave me time to really think about what I want to say on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, like I said, like um, an activist and a storyteller. And um, this has really given me the opportunity to realize, okay, what do I really want to say? Like, what is the meaning behind what I'm saying? Like, it's great to get on stage and say jokes and make people laugh. And that's most important to me. Um, But what is the meaning behind that? You know, and that's what I admire about great comics like Hannah Gatsby. You know, she gets on stage and she's funny, but she also has a real true message. And that's what this last year has really taught me is how do I find um, my message and how can I have an impact on others? What is life if it's all about you, right? Because when you die, you're gone. But it's the impact you leave on others that I think is really important. Mm. Is that dark? Oh, my gosh. Am I even a comic? <laughs> I find <laughs> that I? really inspiring. I thought that was awesome. That was awesome. And for you, did did sort of musical theater and music come first or comedy or all at once? Well, so I was an opera singer. So I was I started like, quote, unquote, training when I was around 12, 13 years old. And I was just trained classically, like I'm sure most um people who have been in singing were trained classically to start, but I just fell in love with it. And I sang opera um, all the way through my early twenties. And, but then to be totally honest, I was in New York and it was too darn cold. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do this anymore. And opera for anybody out there who sings opera, I just really say go you because that industry is, incredibly cutthroat as it gets smaller and smaller. Mm. Um, so I thought, you know, why not move to LA and sing pop music? And I did come out here to do that, but then I fell in love and, you know, codependent lesbians. So, um, so then I eventually fell into comedy because of a broken heart. Uh. So yeah, that's kind of the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> the tra- Yeah. The trajectory. Got it. Yeah. And and are you in, can someone learn to be funny? Um, you know, that's a very interesting question. My partner is actually Judy Carter, um, the author of the Comedy Bible. Uh-huh. And she would love for me to say yes. Um, because that's what she does is uh you know, she's a very successful comedian who's uh taught a lot of comedy. I think you can you can teach someone um the basic structure of comedy. Mm-hmm. I, there is a structure. There is an actual formula to comedy. Um, and once you learn it, it's fascinating because you see all the great comedians doing it and it kind of ruins it because you're like, oh, here's the setup. Here's, you know, the punch, the act out, everything. Um, but I don't I don't know. I think that comedy is really the ability to laugh at yourself first. Mm. And I don't know if some people have that ability, you know. Ooh, good point. Yeah. Good point. Now I'm going to be thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that you're funny? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it depends on who I'm around, to be right, honest. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I also think there's a difference between being funny and being able to be a comedian. Mm. And people don't realize that. Great point. That a lot of comedians, like great comedians that I've had the, I mean, truly like, pleasure or I don't even know how to say it like that I've been lucky enough to be around Mm -hmm. they are not funny in real life oh they're not they're just not like they're just kind of wah wah um because the comedy that they're doing on stage is usually rehearsed by the time that you've seen their set at the comedy store or on tour or the factory or especially their Netflix special 
they have performed that probably a hundred times, if not a thousand, mm. you know, yeah. so. I know that there are folks listening who need more laughter in their life. I'm pretty sure that that is the case. Who should folks be listening to right now? Who's making you laugh? Who's entertaining you out in the world? Oh, my gosh. Well, I am. I am. Okay, so I'm not a fan of of, of um, watching comedies for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I, I don't like to watch them. Um, but. And especially in like a scripted comedy, I kind of find it like wah wah sometimes. Mm-hmm. But there's a show on HBO right now called Hacks. Have you seen it? Not yet, but I've seen a little promo for it. It is delightful and it is hysterical and it is smart. And I really, I, I'm not a fan of slapstick comedy. I try to write pretty clean material. I mean, Mike Gabriel is full, just chock full of innuendo. But um, I Hacks is just, like very very smart um comedy and it's about um an older female comic a la like joan rivers mm-hmm. um and a younger um television writer and they start working together as comedy writers and it's just brilliant um mm-hmm. that's really great and then also as far as like stand-ups and people to be watching i just say you guys go out, just leave your house now. Like you can do it. Like we are free. If you're like that, it is time to go. (laughs) Like it is time to get out there and just go see your local comedians. Cause we've spent the last year watching television. So just go out and support them because these poor people for the most part have been really struggling and just need someone to laugh at them as weird as that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So I'm hoping folks will remember how to leave the house. Right. But, but Anna, they might not know what to wear. So I'm sure folks are like, oh, my gosh, I got to get out of my pajamas. I got to get out of the soft pants, maybe. But <laughs> help our listeners. What should someone wear to the gay beret when they're joining you this weekend? Whatever you want. Pants? <laughs> are pants required? Pants are required. Okay. I mean... Yeah, you. I hey, it's pride right now. Show up and whatever makes you feel your best. You Love know, it. I Love I it. I have struggled with trying to um, move past the sweatpants. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I live in Los Angeles where you walk out in sweatpants and Birkenstocks, and people think you are a tourist from the Midwest. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's real. Just come as you are. Really, come in. Come in your most. Um, the thing that makes you feel the best, really, really. I love it. So, again, tell folks how fo- how they can find out more about Gay Beret. Uh, follow my Instagram at It's Anna Sinatra, um, or you can check out the Siren Theater, and you can buy tickets on either of those. Um, and, yeah, with uh, Honey Bee Hart and uh, Melinda Carroll this weekend, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's, I can't wait to come to Portland. I'm like, is there anything I should do while I'm there? Oh, my heavens. Yes. All of it. <laughs> get some good food. I, I know I'm going to get lots of texts about this now that I'm not probably going to fully represent all that is Portland. So I'm feeling the pressure, Anna. Oh, no. We're known for our fancy donuts. I'm sure you could get a good donut. You could get a good cup of coffee almost anywhere. You can find great books up at Pals. But you just, it's beautiful. So being able to walk around down on the waterfront or up at the Rose Garden, you're going to have a wonderful time. We're going to treat you well. I'm, I can't, I'm 
I'm genuinely so excited. I'm so excited. Excellent. Well, Anna, thank you so much for coming to Portland and sharing your many talents. Again, the Gay Beret is this weekend, June 11th and 12th at the Siren Theater. And Anna, have a wonderful time. Break a leg. And thanks again for coming to Portland. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so looking forward to it. It's Anna Sinatra. The Gay Beret again will be at the Siren Theater June 11th and 12th. Thanks to Anna for joining The Local, and thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown in just about 30 minutes. And thank you, Democracy. Talk to you tomorrow.